That's right. It's that time of year. Hope everyone's doing well. We are uh, in December 2020. This is Michael Brogna, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Follower. It's been quite a year, and it's uh, hard to believe that this time last year we were all just kind of in the dark as far as what would lie ahead in the months to follow uh, in uh, 2020 when we were... Uh, confronted with this pandemic and uh, here we are uh, getting ready to celebrate Christmas not knowing what the future has in store for us uh, in the coming year as well 2021 but uh, I pray you're doing well and your loved ones and in these next few podcasts I want to talk a little bit about Christmas leading up to Christmas Day and just some thoughts and reflections just kind of a brief devotion on the true meaning of Christmas and some important theological truths that maybe we take for granted. So if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to get it, open it up, and today we're going to be looking in Paul's letter to the Galatians. So turn to Galatians chapter 4, and then we'll get started. So there are many passages of scripture. The most common during this time of year is to look at uh, Matthew's gospel account of the birth of Christ or Luke's gospel account of the birth of Christ. And perhaps we'll do that or I'll do that in um, future podcasts leading up to uh, Christmas. But today I want to focus in on a, a passage in Galatians chapter 4. There's a lot of other smaller, uh, more hidden, if you will, passages of Scripture in the New Testament which speak of Christ and His incarnation. Uh, Incarnation is just a a fancy theological word. It's a compound word uh, combining in and carne, in the flesh. And uh, when we speak of the incarnation, we are talking about God becoming flesh, that he would show up on earth in the flesh by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, the incarnation. And uh, uh, Paul, when he writes to 1 Timothy, I believe it's in 1 Timothy 3, uh, he talks about this mystery that um, uh, God would be manifested in the flesh. And think about this. We're we're talking about the eternal, uh, omnipotent, the the all-powerful, the all-knowing creator God who is above us. He's beyond all creation. He's outside of time. And outside of space, he, again, is not a created being. He is an eternal being who has always existed. Not a created being, not an angel, not a human being. That God is transcendent. And it, it's, it's one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith to think that a God like this... Uh, the, the true God who is 
transcendent and beyond us and beyond anything that we can imagine in a category all by himself would make himself to come to earth in the form of a human being so that he would be near us and with us so that he would be able to or we would be able to relate to him and he with us the imminence of god so there's the transcendence of god he is above and beyond all creation because he himself is not a created being out he is outside of time and space but yet he would choose to come to this earth in flesh and enter into time and space and his own creation to reveal something to us it's a mystery paul says and in galatians chapter 4 we get a, a glimpse here of the purpose of this incarnation of god becoming flesh and i'm going to read verses 4 through 7 of galatians and then make a few comments about it as we reflect on this great theological mystery Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. It's always important to consider the context of the passage that uh, you're looking at, whether it's a verse or a few verses, uh, to, to be aware of what is going on in the letter or the book that, that you're reading, just so we don't take verses out of context. In, in Galatians, what's going on is Paul is, is writing to a group of Christians in a region called Galatia. It's not a city, it's a, it's a region, so there's numerous cities involved, and Paul's very concerned because it's a rather large and influential part of uh, the Roman Empire and in the early church. Uh, Paul spent a lot of time in this region, and um, he is writing to clarify to the Galatians of what it means and how one is justified before God, how one is, is declared righteous by God and in the sight of God. And the confusion happened, if you again read the context, if, if you were to take the time to read through chapter 1 and 2 of Galatians, you see that Paul makes mention that uh, he was called to be an apostle to the uncircumcised, he says in Galatians 2. In other words, the Gentiles. And Peter 
the rock, right? Peter was called to be an apostle to the circumcised, the circumcision group, the Jews. And evidently what was going on is that Peter in his ministry to the Jews started um, in, in a sense shunning Gentiles, refusing to eat and other things. And Paul had to clarify that that to him openly and publicly says that that, that is hypocrisy. And, and Peter, uh, a so-called pillar of the Christian faith, was leading people astray. Thus says Paul. And he wants to make clear to these Galatians that they are not led astray, thinking that in order to be justified by faith, that they need to adhere to circumcision. That once a, a, a male Jew is circumcised, that they are declared righteous before God. That would be a work of the law. And that would be salvation by works. And Paul writes a very, oh boy, I mean, if you read Galatians, you, 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 can, you pick up on the tone of this letter that he is not happy at all with this teaching that is going on and beginning to spread in this region. So he's writing to the Galatians, reminding them, warning them, instructing them, discipling them, teaching them proper theology as it relates to salvation, that one is saved, one is justified, not by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so that is a larger context of the book of Galatians and uh, chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 need to be understood in that larger context. So let's go ahead now and, and uh, look more closely in these few verses of Galatians chapter 4. So getting back now to chapter 4 and starting in verse 4, as we read earlier, Paul says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law. That's in verse 4. And just a few things to, to mention here in this uh, verse. The fullness of time. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. And how interesting it is when we think about Christmas that God had a specific strategic time in mind when he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Paul acknowledges that, and he calls it the fullness of time. When, when things filled up, when they were at a point at the perfect time, God knew that, and in that fullness of time, in that right time, as Paul also writes to the Romans in, in chapter 5, verse 6 of Romans, he says, at the right time, Christ died for the godless. 
And so it is a strategic time, this time when we contemplate and we remember Christ's birth coming uh, to this world, being born in a manger. It was at the exact time that God wanted it to happen. The strategic time, the right time. And Paul says that God sends forth his son at this time. So God is a sending God. He is sending forth his son. And what we're going to see uh, in this passage is not only does he send his son, but then he sends his spirit as well. So we see the Trinity at work. God the Father is sending. He's ascending God. And in verse 4, we see that he sends forth his son. Born of a woman. Born of woman is what the text says. This is the incarnate that, that Christ would be born of woman. This goes all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3 in verse 15. When the promise was made that through the seed of Eve, through the woman, would come a Messiah. There would come one who would conquer and crush the enemy. And that promise was made thousands of years prior. And now... At the right time, finally, it is fulfilled that Christ is born of woman, born under the law. And in verse 5, we're told why he was born. And why was that? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So God, in the fullness of time, sends Christ, who is born of a woman. That promise that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 is now fulfilled at the strategic time. And Christ comes and he, he, he comes to this earth and he is sent by God the Father for the purpose of redemption. He's coming to redeem us. Now, Paul says here to redeem those born under the law, who were under the law. Again, the context here is written to a Jewish uh, group uh, being uh, encouraged not to seek salvation by the law or by works. And so what Paul's doing here is saying, no, Christ came to redeem. The law can't redeem. If the law could redeem us and save us and we could be justified through the law, there would be no need to send forth Christ because God had already sent and given us his law. But no, Christ came at the right time to redeem those who are under the law. Let's, uh, let's not forget, and don't get me wrong, the law has a place and a purpose in God's plan of salvation and for salvation for the Jews. And Paul talks about that just, again, in the context right above 
what we've just read. So in chapter 3, verses 23 through 29, he he makes it clear. He says that the law is good in the sense that it was a guardian, a tutor leading us to Christ. So God's purpose for the law was not to uh, bring salvation through the law or by uh, adhering or observing and keeping the law. That will not bring us salvation. We will not become justified or declared righteous in God's eyes because we've kept some law. But those laws point to a Messiah and the need for Jesus Christ. So once Christ came in the flesh, born of woman, now we know, ah, here is the one who has been promised And all these things that we did, we being the Jews, leading up to this time, now have found their fulfillment in Christ. And our faith is in Christ, not in ourselves, in keeping the law. And so in chapter 4, we see that in the strategic course of time, at the right time, at the, the fullness of time, God sends Jesus Christ, his son, to be born of woman, to redeem us. Christ came to redeem. Christmas is about redemption. It's a reminder of our need to be redeemed, our need to be delivered, our need to be saved. Not because we were good people, not because we were righteous people, not because we already were justified, but because we needed to be redeemed. We needed to be forgiven. We couldn't become justified and declared righteous in the sight of God on our own or by keeping the law. Neither Jew nor Gentile could achieve that apart from God at the right time, sending his son to be born of a woman so that we could have redemption. And then he says, so that we would receive adoption of sons in verse five, the end. And let me read that again. To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. In verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And the second sending that we see here in verse 4, the first sending is God sending his son. And in verse 6, God sends his spirit. The son comes first. Jesus is sent first. And once we are redeemed through our faith in Jesus Christ, then there is God sending his spirit. It says, into our hearts so that we cry out, Abba, Father. That's a picture of a relationship, of a son now. Sons and daughters. We are no longer slaves 
we are now children of God. In Christmas, when you think about Christmas, it's a time for children, it's a time for family, and that's exactly what Paul is saying. Christ was sent, born of a woman, so that we would become children of God, that we would enter into the family of God. We would no longer be slaves, but we would be children, sons and daughters. And the Holy Spirit sent into our hearts to affirm that truth. So those are just some initial thoughts I have uh, about Christmas as we think about it. It's just good to be reminded that God uh, does have a plan. He has a strategy, and the timing of that is not up to us, but in the fullness of time, in the right time, at the strategic time, God will act when he wants to act. He will do what he wants to do. But we look back in history and we see that God has sent forth his son, born of woman, to redeem us so that we could be children of God, that we could be a part of his family. And he sends not only his son, but his spirit who dwells within our hearts so that that we could cry out, Abba, Father, that we are now children of God. We are not slaves. We are a part of of his family and that's all possible because of the love of God so just some words of encouragement to you uh, as we kick off this month of December uh, think about these things God bless you as you serve the Lord as you follow him through the ups and downs through the uh, dark times of life through the times of uh, joy but also the times of sorrow times of certainty and the times of uncertainty, we follow Jesus for his glory. He's worthy to be followed. And as we follow him, we worship him, we adore him, and we tell others about him. We'll see you next time. My name is Michael Brogna, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. <music>